Welcome to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Each and every podcast, hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space. Education is important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now here's Mike Niemer and Greg Frank. It is the first week of September, and we are back here on The Green Insider with another podcast for you as it's episode 142 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. We'll certainly get to our guest, Ross Kitty, in just a few minutes. But before we do that, my name is Greg Frank, and the other guy whose name you heard in our podcast is a pretty important one to the whole operation as he is the eRenewable CEO, Mike Niemer, and he's got a few words for us. Let's hear from Mike now, and then we'll get to Ross Kitty. Mike Niemer here, CEO of eRenewable. We know today, whether you're a public company, private equity, or a privately held company, ESG and sustainability are important to your company. At eRenewable, we can help you achieve some of those goals. If you have any questions or need any assistance with regards to reaching your sustainability goals, please visit us at eRenewable.com to learn more. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. And we welcome you to episode 142 of the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable, alongside Mike Niemer. I am Greg Frank, as we wish you all a very happy September. First podcast for the month of September, if I'm not mistaken, right, Mike? That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> all right. So certainly uh, hope the parents that are listening that have kids going back to school, everybody's uh, getting their feet wet on the new school year. And uh, we're going to jump right back in here and talk some more renewable energy and sustainability as we bring on our new guest, Ross Kitty, he is the North American General Manager at Altilium. Ross, thanks a lot for your time, and uh, I'm just glad I pronounced the name of the company correctly. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're happy to be here, both Greg and Mike, and you did get the name correctly. So really excited to be here, share some thoughts, and talk about uh, Altilium in the industry. So let's just start on a uh, you know large scale here and kind of narrow the pyramid down as we go. Uh, when you look at what you guys do and what your company's about, just some of the basics of, uh, of who you are. What, what are they? Okay, great, Greg. So we, if you, if I was to pick some, some, uh, a short word, a short sentence for who we are, I would say we are a specialty battery insurer. So that, that says a lot. It's three words, but what we do is we specialize in with the electrification of, of the industry with the decarbonization of industry, we specialize in batteries. So you, when you look at battery storage, you have um, stationary storage, you have EV batteries for cars. What we do, Greg, is we match and we connect the dots between technology, between chemistry and insurance. So we're a specialty battery insurer. We work through many different ecosystems in the marketplace, but we insure battery projects, primarily here in North America, originally focusing on stationary storage. And when you talk about focusing on stationary storage and insuring battery products, how is that space kind of in your, I know you guys are a startup and, and, you know, you guys are, you know, getting your feet wet here in 2022, but what have been some of the changes in evolution over the last, four or five years with regard to what you guys do uh, with those battery products? Sure. Perfect. Perfect question. Great question. So when you think about the evolution of storage and insurance and you think over how this evolved, how Altilium evolved, Greg, I think about 
insurance. Insurance has always been a benchmark for, for financing assets. So when you think of insurance, you think of risk. You think of transfer of risk and how you quantify that risk. Now, with since battery storage is a rather emerging space over the past four or five years, what we've seen is the traditional insurers have looked at at, at battery storage as a as a new um, new technology. So it's harder to understand and, uh, and to establish a value around that risk. So what we've seen over the past four or five years and what we've done is we've taken the data analytics and a scientific approach to looking at battery storage projects. So what we do when we look at uh, assessing risk, we look at we look at what type of chemistry is involved. We look at what what type of both historical data, but more importantly, operational data. So every asset that we look at now, or we underwrite for an insurance risk, Greg, we do what's called, our, we have our data analytics package. So we have a, a real-time data feedback from these battery storage assets. And what we're doing is we're helping the ecosystem, we're helping the insurers, we're helping the uh, developers, we're helping the independent power producers understand real-time data. And when you understand real-time data, you can then connect real-time data with value of risk and assessing risk. So insurance as a play has always been a value of transfer of risk, but understanding that risk in the insurance space, we've really taken it to the next step where we look at real-time historical data and real-time present data. So pretty excited about how we value and how we look at and how we assess risk. You know, I'm familiar with trade credit insurance that's provided around the world on different projects, but I've not heard of any on a battery storage project. And so I know there's reassurers that uh, insure the weather, degree weather, weather days, so on and so forth. So with regards to how you insure a battery storage project, are you insuring the life of the battery that it's going to be able to operate more than 10 years or less than 10 years? What are some of the mechanics in the in the simplest form for the listeners to hear? What are you actually insuring on those battery storage projects? Ah, great question. So when we look at insurance and what we are insuring, we look at health, state of health, and battery degradation at a cell level. So very fundamentally, Mike, what we're doing is through our analytics and through our data center. We're assessing the data, real-time data, and by understanding the chemistry behind it, understanding the use case, which then relates to the cycle rates, how many times you cycle this battery, we are then writing policies against battery of health or battery degradation. So we'll, we're, we're looking at state of health, we're looking at battery degradation, and life of health at the cell level. Now, what type of insurance? There are two buckets I like to tell people. There's something that we do called insurable warranties. And then on the other side of the table, there's what people would think of as traditional insurances. That would be under construction, you would have a construction all risk policy that we write. And under operational, on a yearly basis, we would, we would insure an operational all risk. And that operational all risk includes two elements, it includes uh, product deficiencies or product operations, and it includes um, product deficiencies and then wear and tear on the battery as well. So 
if you look at um, those two buckets, now, when you get to how many years under warranty claims, we are looking at three to five years. We're not looking at 10 years or 15 years. So we're looking at a three or five insurable warranty plan against the degradation of those batteries. And also on the other side of the table, it's on the operational risk, constructional risk, the construction insurance is for the term of the construction of the project. The operational risks is for annually renewed on a yearly basis. So those are the two buckets. Hopefully I described them a little bit better. So we're looking at battery degradation. We're looking at um, product failure and we're looking at operational risks along the way. Okay, just to simple it down one more step. Okay, gotcha. Okay, if an expected battery should should produce power for four hours a day. Yes. And in fact, at the end of the year, it only produced 3.2 hours a day on average. Yes. Could that shortage of power between 3.2 and the four they expected, is that the insurable piece where your insurance comes in? So I, I don't want to get too technical here. So it's hard to describe here. There's a little nuance. Let me try to get to us in a very basic way. The real answer to that question is, is, is essentially yes. But how we get there is through battery degradation. So if it's expected to perform off a certain degradation curve and it over a period of time, that battery doesn't perform as expected, we would then come in and we would cover those batteries over that that period of time, which in fact would then relate to a dollar figure. Gotcha. So So you're not giving, you're not replacing, you're not replacing the shortage of battery usage with more energy. You're replacing it with dollars that allows them to go buy the energy they're short. Is that correct? In a very simplistic way, yes. That's essentially what we're doing, yes. Man, I think that's great. Uh, and so you guys are founded in Europe, right? And you've been right. in business there how long? So, yeah. So we, we were started three and a half years ago by um, a grant, a UK grant called uh, Innovate UK. And what we did is we brought together scientists, chemists, professors, and insurance experts. And what we did is we looked at many different chemistries, and we had a grant from the Innovate, Innovate UK, and we studied and came back with, with an analysis of, initially, it was second-life batteries. So taking first-life batteries from cars, repackaging them, and putting them in a stationary storage package. So we did the analytics around that and the business case around how to support warranty claims around a second-life battery application. So we then proved the concept that through science and understanding battery degradation and insurable risks around battery degradation, we then came through and started two and a half, three years ago writing risks. We're doing this now on warranty. We're, we're a startup. We've been in business for three and a half years. Here in the, U- in the U.S., we've only been for six months. So it's a relatively new. We're quoting on many projects and um, we hope to bind one of our first larger type warranty and construction all risks, operational all risks in the next few months. Ross, you run through a lot of stuff there about the trajectory and the timeline and where things have gone. I'm just curious for, on you, for you on a personal level, I read uh, on the website that you were brought on in April 
of uh, this year as the North American general manager. Um, why did you feel it was the right fit for you? Like before Altilium, what kinds of jobs have you worked in the industry? Great. So yeah, um, I've always been I've always been enthralled in in love the energy industry and the, the the way I evolved into this, Greg, is my father spent. 42 years with an investor-owned utility in the United States. So as a kid growing up, when I went on um, trips for the summer or field trips to dad's work, he would take me to these big turbines, mass turbine plants years ago, and I would walk in and I was enthralled. So from day one, I've been in the energy business, loved the energy business, loved to get a degree in electrical engineering, uh, went out, worked in industry on the energy efficiency side, did that for several years, helping large corporations save energy and save the environment. So what I like about what I do is fundamentally, even, you know, no matter what I've done in the energy space, Greg, I've always felt that I'm helping my children, I'm helping the future, I'm helping the environment. So that's why I'm so excited about what I do. I've actually had my own business over the years. I was fortunate enough to um, be the co-owner of a company that built energy efficiency projects in what's called demand side projects in the industry, sold that company back to the end of the 90s and 2000s, consulted to technology and spaces for years. And interestingly enough, about five years ago, I was asked to head up a team to do due diligence on this really neat analytic startup company from the UK, i.e. Altilium. So I actually uh, worked with a team and we did diligence on this on this this company, and I was so intrigued by not just the technology, the bringing together of the professors, the science, the chemists, and the business case around understanding and ensuring batteries, both EV batteries and stationary storage. I was so enthralled by that that through the team, loved the team, kind of. Um, decided to come on board six months ago. So I've always, Greg, been in the energy business, love what I do. Fundamentally, it's driven by helping the society, helping the world, helping all of us through the future. And you mentioned a lot about helping society, helping the world, and trying to just make the environment a big part of making the world a better place for everybody to live. Just how much of that do you feel in terms of people that work in energy and sustainability and, and do things like what you do, how much of that mindset do you think is mainstreamed in terms of, you know, we're not just in this for ourselves, but we're in this for a greater good and that greater good, obviously being the environment. You know, I, I see Greg quite a bit of that mindset with people that people have been in this business for a long time. So, so I've been in this business for over 25, almost 30 years now, and I've met a whole host of different people, both at the executive level and at different levels throughout companies. And fundamentally, I think most people do feel that they're doing good for society, no matter what piece of the ecosystem and the energy infrastructure they're involved with, be it from generation, transmission, distribution, energy technology, decarbonization, electrification of the environment, all these goals, I find generally most people, most businesses really are come from a mindset of trying to do the better good for society. I would agree with you hundred percent. That's been uh, my experience. I'm a energy lifer myself, <laughs> oil and gas and moved more to the green renewable space several years ago. But with regards to what your company is doing with the energy, 
do you, with regards to insuring the battery storage energy projects, do you have much competition out there among other reinsuring companies, insuring battery storage projects similar to what you're doing? So um, traditional insurers do look at battery storage from a very large scale basis. What we do, which is different, and there are a few, very few companies that do what we do or look at risks with batteries the way we do. So it's more of a data analytics approach. Um, certainly, Mike and Greg, there's quite a bit of competition out there for traditional insurance for battery storage. However, it is a new and upcoming emerging space. So for the types of projects that really isn't a sweet spot for us, it's not the larger 200 megawatts, 300 megawatt project. It's more the smaller 5 to 20 to 30 to 50 megawatt project where we can look at it from a strategic analytical space and underwrite the asset. So the answer to your question is, yes, there are traditional insurers looking at the large scale projects. Very few people, if any, Mike, are looking at the smaller size projects that sometimes are harder to get insured, that don't have the expertise on those projects where we specialize. So there is one or two other companies doing what we're doing, but no one really from the beginning to the end. That's what we like to say. We like to say that we look at insurance at battery projects from the beginning data, design, to help influence the design, to writing the risk, insuring the risk, man- helping manage the risk, and operating the risk. No, that's great. And, you know, having knowing the listeners here that know that your sweet spot is five to 30 megawatts, that gives everybody kind of a, a general feel as to what your business, what you are looking for here in North America. Right. So when you referred to the data center, collecting all the data that you're processing to come up with the risk and what your tolerance is for it, so on and so forth, is that maintained in the UK or have you opened the data center in the US also? So presently today, all our data center is in the UK. We have plans, Mike and Greg, to, um, as we write projects and we expand with, we expect rapidly this year, we're going to open our data center here in the US as well. So we have very, um, we have very high hopes. We have plans, expectations to really grow this year over the next 12 months in the US. And we will staff up both from our data center here and from support staff as well. That's awesome. Uh, one last thing for me is, do you believe your target customer is more a city or a municipality or utility or a actually a, a, a developer who's putting some battery storage on a wind or solar project? Right. So if you look at the type of customers, the clients, or targets that we have, they come in three or four different buckets, Mike. You have the independent power producers, which we're we're seeing a lot of interest in. So right now in North America, just due to legislation, due to constraints, low constraints, due to the way the U.S. is structured, you have three or four different pockets of areas. You have California, you have the East Coast, you have the Midwest ISO, and you also have areas like ERCOT in Texas which are very constrained, which are looking now to use battery as assets, planning assets and storage for, for reliability and resilience. So, so we're looking at the independent power producers, which is number one. We are looking at the developers or investors. 
So there's a whole group host of financing entities that we see are really interested in insuring these assets behind the independent power producers and the utilities. Those are the buckets I see, Mike and Greg. I see the independent power producers, the financing entities, the utilities, and affiliated developers. Ross, last one from me. You talked about some of the staffing growth that you're expecting to undergo uh, with Altilium. And I, I just am curious in terms of your tasks and, you know, reading a little bit more about your bio, you know, just to roll out these insurance products uh, and support the energy transition across the United States and Canada. How far along are you in that in terms of getting the North American countries to where some of the other countries are? And obviously, what do you see as far as the, the future and what you still need to accomplish in the United States and Canada in 2023 and beyond? Yeah, so the future is nothing but what I think is a very bright opportunity for us, Greg. So, so storage is becoming known more as a, uh, an accepted asset when it comes to re- reliability planning, utility planning. So the future I see as technology evolves, as data evolves, as insurance evolves, and we get more of a track record around these assets that we write risk for, I see this as nothing but a growth opportunity. So North America, uh, Canada, the US is is definitely um, a growth opportunity for us. When it comes to people, um, we're interviewing people now from both, uh, both a regulatory side, a support side and from an executive side as well. So we we have a group of people lined up. We see this as a very um, positive growth opportunity in North America. And as these assets get under uh, insurance and we write these risks, we see nothing but uh, continued growth in that space. That's about all I have for you today, Ross. Mike, anything else? No, he he covered it well and uh, exciting to always hear about new products and, um, uh, looking forward to running into you probably in the convention circuit before it's all over. Yeah, we'd love to. Thanks again, Mike. Thanks, Greg. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, hope to see you both soon. Yeah, Ross, thanks a lot for your time. Again, that's been episode 142 of the Green Insider powered by eRenewable. Want to make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating wherever you may get your podcast at, because as the saying goes, you learn something new every day and we were responsible for today's lesson. Thanks again to Ross Kitty for Mike Niemer. I'm Greg Frank. Again, this has been the Green Insider powered by eRenewable. Everyone enjoy the rest of your weeks.